Pearls and Proverbs podcast. I am back with Deidre, my favorite co-host. Thank you, Callie. Hello, everyone. Well, I'm really, really excited. We're starting something that has kind of been in the works for a little bit now. Deidre and I have been talking about doing this, um, this Empowered Women's series. Well, and Callie, I know that you started off this whole podcast with the story of Deborah, and so I really think that it would be great to continue this whole series of empowered women and just kind of reveal how important they are, um, just in, that we need to know about them and learn from them so we can kind of pattern our li- lives like theirs. Well, and there's a lot of stories in the Bible that talk about a lot of great things that these men have done, and there are some amazing, <clears throat> amazing men in the Bible. All of Jesus's apostles were men and they spread the gospel and there's all these stories of these them doing awesome things. You know, we talked about Daniel and the lion's den. We didn't specifically talk about that story, but there's so many stories of these powerful men in the Bible that sometimes it's so easy to get wrapped up and caught up in that excitement that we overlook some of these women in the Bible who had such important roles and I think it's really important to address these and look at these and see what we as women can learn from those and to me it's very encouraging to see these strong women of faith It, it kind of gives me an example to pattern my life after well and Callie I remember that one of our favorite bible studies that dad did was called mighty men of valor And that's always been something that you and I have always, I guess, asked dad to preach. Um, And so we want to really capitalize on the women in the Bible. And so it's kind of like the the mighty women of valor, if you... Yes, exactly. Just almost looking at these figures as heroine type women of faith and take the good aspects of their lives and see if they have some characters or characteristics, if you would, that we can implement into our own lives. I agree. So, with all that being said, if any of you saw the title of today's episode, you may be thinking, what in the world are these girls about to talk about (laughs) (laughs) when it's called Lessons from a Prostitute? But it's actually a very, very faith-building story and an example of a woman of great, great faith. And I think there's so much we can learn from her. So with all that being said, today we're going to talk about Rahab. Very exciting. I've really enjoyed looking through her story and, you know, taking the little jewels and there's many of them from her story. So I'm excited to jump on in into her story today. There really, really is a lot of interesting things about Rahab. So before we really dive into that story and her story, it's important to address a little bit of the history and figure out just exactly who she was and when all these events that we're going to discuss today were taking place. We find the story of Rahab in the Old Testament in Joshua, the second chapter. But before that, in Joshua, the first chapter, we pick up where Moses has just passed away. He didn't get to enter the promised land. And so after his death, God tells Joshua that he is going to give him the promised land, that Joshua is going to take over this promised land, and that land will finally be given to the children of Israel after they've been wandering in the desert for all this time. 
So before they can take it over, Joshua sends in these two spies into this land, specifically the land of Jericho. And these spies go in and they're staying with this prostitute woman named Rahab. And she lives there on the wall of Jericho. So it's kind of the perfect hideout for these men. Well, the king of Jericho gets word that there are spies in his land. And so he sends out these men to go and find the spies. And the king's men had heard that the spies were at Rahab's house. And so they go there and... Rahab hears that they're coming and she hides the men on her roof and covers them with stalks of flax is what it says. And then the men come and she tells them, no, no, the guys, the spies were here, but they left. They went this other way. And so she lies to these soldiers to protect God's men. And then they leave. And in return for her hiding them, she makes them promise that when they come and take over the land, that they will save her and her family. We read in verse 8 where she says, or where the Bible says, Before the men lay down on the roof, she came up onto the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, for that the fear of you has fallen on us, and all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan. So she knew who God was. She knew the power, and she knew it's in my best interest to help these men and to be on the side of God. So she makes them promise in verse 12, and it says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, so she's saying, since I've hid you and saved you from the king's men, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all them and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So the men agree to this and she saves them and then she ends up letting them down by a rope from the from the wall and tells them to go hide and she'll tell the pursuers that they're somewhere else and the men go hide and then they eventually escape and they go back and report to Joshua everything that's going on and then Joshua and the people take the city and when they do Rahab ties this red cord in her window, which is what her and the spies agreed on, and her and all her family hide in her house, and they are saved when Joshua and his people take over the city. So, really packed story there. That was so much courage that she exemplified. That was so much, I mean, faith, really. I mean, if you think about if those guards did find them on the roof, she she would be sentenced to death. And so that was, I think that that was a very big example of faith and um, courage on her part. When I read that, there's just a ton there for me to unpack. I mean, that is just, that's just a pretty packed story. So, so many good lessons there, in my opinion. The first of which that really jumped out to me is that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done... God can still use you for his will, for his purpose. And I think so many times we hear people say things like, 
you don't know what I've done. I'm just too bad of a sinner. I've done this. I've done that. I've just whatever, just this laundry list of sin. And we get to feeling like I am so stained. I am so, so ripe with sin that I will never be a tool for God. But here we have this woman who is a a prostitute, which is arguably one of the most shameful professions for a woman. And yet she was instrumental in God's plan. I agree. And that kind of reminds me um, of Matthew 9 verses 10 through 13. Um, So it says, um, starting in 10, and as Jesus reclined at the table, behold, many of tax collectors—sorry—tax cl- uh, collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, "Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners?" But when he heard it, he said, "Those who are well have not need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came to call the righteous." Sorry, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So that's perfect. I mean, this kind of goes right with the situation with Rahab. You know, like like we said, she's a she was a prostitute, and what we, we think that's the lowest of the lows. But Jesus says that that's exactly who he's looking for. Exactly, and so often, I think we in our heads maybe paint this picture that church is this mansion and meeting place for for the beautiful people, Mm -hmm. these people that have it all together. And Matthew explains it perfectly. The church is not this mansion for the beautiful people that have it all together. The church is a hospital for those that are sick because that is where the healer is. The church is what Christ set up so that we can all have access to him. And he wants those that are sinners. He wants, you know, and we we use this idea of sinner and we think, oh, there's these sins that are really bad. And then there's just these other little sins. But in Romans, it says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, and it's not sinners versus Christians. It, Christians are sinners. Exactly. And church is a place of healing and of sanctuary for everyone, especially the sinners, which is all of us. Exactly. So. Exactly. That's such a good point. And so we see Rahab here, this prostitute woman who she even admits this by. She says, I know who your God is. And then she's able to do these things and, like we said, be so instrumental in God's plan. And I would argue that it's because of her profession that she was able to be as instrumental as she was. I mean, if she had been a, a one of the children of Israel and safe in the camp, following being a part of God's people and following his will with the rest of the people, well, she could have never helped those spies. And so... I'm not saying that we should all go out and make mistakes so that we're better able to help people. But what I am saying is when we do have those mistakes in our lives, rather than just being riddled with guilt and letting that keep us from church and keep us from serving God, take those mistakes, get the forgiveness that God wants to give you if you will just go to him and do what he's asked of you to get that forgiveness and get that forgiveness and then use your mistakes to help others to reach others when you are someone with maybe 
a colorful past, you're in a unique situation because you can help people and say, look, I've been where you've been. I know what it's like. Give me your hand. Let me pull you up out of out of that dirt, out of that sin, and let's go serve God together. God wants to wash you clean. God washed me clean. He can wash you clean. Well, in that situation, you know, I think that's way easier to reach others whenever because you, you're more that's, approachable. That's a success story to them. They're like, oh, you know what? She did it. I can do it. And I think Satan's biggest tool is, like we mentioned earlier, he tells people, you are too bad of a sinner. God will never be able to use you. You're, you're dirty. You're, you're just too bad. God, God can never, ever, ever use you. And God is begging you, please come. I mean, like we said, Rahab was instrumental in his plan. God can use anyone. I agree. And I think that we need to realize that every single time that you're feeling those feelings, that that your sin's too great for Jesus, that is the biggest lie and the biggest tactic that the devil uses. Do not let the devil win in that. Fight against that and turn to God because that is a, there. you'll never be too low to come to Jesus. Well, Rahab was this prostitute woman and she went from that to helping these spies, to saving these spies, to saving her whole family, family yeah. as a result. And then we see in Matthew 1, we've got the recorded genealogy of Christ, the lineage of Christ. And before we go on to make the point I'm trying to make here, I think it's important that we understand what genealogy meant to the Jews. I mean, it was huge to them. If you could trace your lineage back to Abraham, you were the ultimate Jew. That's how you proved. It was a status thing. Almost the closest I can compare it to is the way they do the royalty in Mm -hmm. European countries where, oh, I'm related to the king because he's my first cousin and my great-grandmother, whatever. And that's how they prove that they're royalty. It's That's similar to what the Jews did. In Matthew 1, verse 5, the Bible records, And Solomon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, And on and on up to verse um, 16, where we have Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom Jesus was born. So we see Rahab here in the lineage of Christ himself, which is a huge deal. We just established how huge genealogy was to the Jews. So this non-Israelite prostitute woman was mentioned in the lineage of Christ our Savior. Well, you know, not only did she do this great act of saving these spies, but it also shows God's hand in all things because it turns out that Rahab is the mother of Boaz, which if you look back in one of our, um, I guess, previous previous (laughs) episodes, we talked about Ruth and Naomi, and Boaz is actually... Ruth's husband and we know how amazing that story is so I mean you can she's even a big she she's a big play in all these other stories that we've talked about so you can just see how important she turns out to be in the yeah, end she just it, her good deed and then her faith in God set off this chain of events and established her in this family that Christ eventually comes from which I mean 
if that's not an example of God can use anyone, I don't know what is. And so the biggest thing, if you guys get nothing else from this story, if you're somebody who feels like I can't go to church because I've done all these terrible things or I'm not, I can't tell others about Christ, I can't serve Christ because I've done these things, I hope, if nothing else we say today, I hope you get that that's just simply not true and that it might actually put you in a unique situation to reach people. And so I just think the best thing we can do if we have made these mistakes that make us feel this way is turn and use them to glorify God, use them to reach people. Well, I mean, who knows, just like you know, Rahab can be a success story. Like Callie was saying, you can be a success story, sorry, for someone else as well. You can get through your struggles and then help someone else get through their struggles. And then it turns into your own success story in your own life. So that the next time somebody else, you see them feeling like they can't serve God because of what they've done. You can tell them, no, you can, because I've been where you are. And this is how you do it. That's very uplifting to me to know that when there's, there's someone like Rahab, and I think, you know, I look at my sins, and I think, you know what, I am no better than her with all of the things I've done in my life, but then you can see that you can make a difference, and not only in one person, but in generations to come. Very, very true. Very good point. The next thing I want to address here is the faith that Rahab had. This woman was not raised hearing about God, she was most likely raised to worship idols, so she didn't have a great understanding, but she heard the things that God's people had been doing and recognized that they were only able to do those through the power of God. And we read this earlier, but I want to read this verse again, Joshua 2 verse 9. Speaking of Rahab here, the Bible says, And said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came to Egypt. So Rahab tells these men, she's like, I know, we've heard what God can do, what God is doing, and we're afraid. And that's why she was so willing to help them because she recognized the power of the Lord and she wanted to be on the right side of that. Not only did she recognize and acknowledge the things that the children of Israel were doing, like crossing the Red Sea and winning these battles, but she also understood that it was through the power of the Lord. She understood that there was something bigger here than just this army. She knew that there was more backing them. She knew the power of God. So then to make that applicable to our lives, Rahab believed that the power of God could not only take over the land, but could save her and her family, no matter what they had done. And so it comes down to us. Do we have the faith that when we ask God to forgive us of our sins, Do we have the faith that believes that those sins will actually be removed? The Bible says he removes them as far as the east is from the west, and that's unending. So I think we can really look at this example, and if we'll take it to heart, that's something 
that we can apply in our lives. Self-forgiveness is one of the most difficult difficult things for me. Um, I know it is for a lot of people, but really it comes down to having an understanding of the nature of God, of who God says he is. And the Bible tells us that God cannot lie. So when he promises things like he'll remove our sin as far as the east is from the west, or when he promised through the spies that he would save Rahab and her family for what she had done, he carries through with that. Well, Callie, like we said earlier, self-doubt, self, just not being, I guess, not being able to forgive yourself, that is 100% a tool that Satan uses against us. And I remember when I was a kid, I remember telling mom that I was a sinner and that I was afraid that my sins were too great for, you know, like we, like what you were saying. And she, I remember her telling me that, you know, if you truly went through the steps that God lays out for you, and if you still don't believe you're not saved or that you're not forgiven, that is doubting Jesus's power and doubting Jesus's love for you. And we shouldn't because he went all the way to the cross with that love and that faithfulness. So Put your faith in that. But of course, we need to go through the steps to make sure that we are forgiven. But after that, you know, Jesus gave us the gift of joy in our salvation. So take that gift and live with it. Well, I think when Rahab put that cord in her window, like she agreed, that red cord in her window that she agreed on with the spies as a sign that she would be saved, she had full faith that she would. But just like... Rahab had to put that cord in her window and there was terms to her being saved. God lays out some pretty clear terms for our salvation as well. You know, there's, we might go into some of those steps later in the Bible, but he asks a lot of us. He asks us to believe in him, to confess that Jesus is the son of God, to repent of our sins and to be baptized for the repentance of those sins. And then when we do that and we live a life in him, Our sins are forgiven. Just like when Rahab went through the steps, she was saved. And so I think it's very, very important that we understand God is faithful and just to fulfill his promises. The Bible says he is not slack or he is not, oh, he doesn't remit on his promises like like men do. You know, sometimes we say we're going to do something and life happens and we're like, well, actually, probably not going to be able to get to that. Sorry. God's not like that. When God says, well, just like in Genesis, God said, let there be light. And you know what happened? There was light. God is God. When he speaks it, it is so. Well, Callie, I know that one of our earlier episodes, we talked about choosing joy. And that's one of the blessings that Jesus gave us was the ability to, and he he wants us to, he wants us to choose joy in our salvation that he granted us, that he, like I said, went to the cross for us. He wants us to choose that joy every day, knowing that we can believe his promises, knowing that we can believe in the strength of his forgiveness that he has for us daily. That's so true and so, so, so important and powerful when you're able to take those concepts and internalize them. Okay, the last thing I think we can really learn here from Rahab is that when you let God work in your life, when you let God into your life, God will change your life. He will take what is broken and he will take your sadness and your hurt and the pain and destruction that sin has caused and he will heal you and make you whole and give you joy. 
And those are just gifts that nothing else will ever be able to compare to. Nothing else can give you that healing and that joy and that wholeness that is found in God. Well, Kelly, this just came to me, but if Rahab was in the lineage of Jesus, doesn't that mean she had to marry one of God's people? Yeah, exactly. Like we said in Matthew in the first chapter, where it says that she married Solomon and they had Boaz, to me, well, it doesn't say they got married. It says she had Boaz, but under the Old Testament, we're going to assume that they were married. And so she had Boaz, so she went from being this prostitute woman to this woman who was with this godly man and had a godly child. I mean, we discussed the story of Ruth and Naomi, and we talked about Boaz a little bit, but he was a man of God. And I just don't believe that that happened by accident. I think Rahab and this Solomon guy, we don't have a lot of information on him, but they were now together part of God's people. So that's really cool to me because it sounds like not only did the spies, you know, she, she helped them, but it sounds like this situation turned her life around for the better as well. Not only did it save her people, but it sounds like it saved her spiritually. Yeah, it saved her life and her soul because that's what God will do for you if you let him in. He'll completely revolutionize everything like we talked about he heals that hurt he gives life he gives joy that's not to say that life as a christian you'll never have sadness or hard times because unfortunately that's just life but the difference is when you're a christian and those hard times come you have god as your rock you have the joy of salvation like we talked about so that no matter what this earth brings to you you know that there's something more after this life and on top of all that, being a Christian and being a part of God's family brings with it so many earthly joys. It really, really does. Well, you... and I mean, it got her out of that unpleasant atmosphere that she was living in. It, it kind of redeemed her from that as well. And I feel like that's a huge blessing for her. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. So, so really to circle back and kind of wrap things up, if you got nothing else out of the story... I want you to get that if God can take this prostitute woman who most likely worshipped idols and turn her into a servant of his who saved her entire family and she was mentioned, yes, in the lineage of Christ, but also in the Heroes of Faith chapter in Hebrews 11. In this chapter, we see people like Abel and Abraham and Moses and all these guys we put on this massive pedestal as these heroes and these champions of faith. Well, in verse 31 of that same chapter, so Hebrews 11, verse 31, it says, By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. So right there with all these champions of faith, Rahab is mentioned. She was a champion of faith. And it even says Rahab, a prostitute, was a champion of faith. So no matter who you are or what you have done, if you will just give your life to God, he will completely change it just like he changed Rahab. And like I said, if you get nothing else out of that, I want you to hear me when I say that there is nothing that you can do that God will not forgive. Okay, so as we kind of wind down here, 
we want to end with our question and challenge. Um, and I have the question this week. So my question to all of the listeners is, what are you going to do this week to let God work in your life? What are you going to do this week to let God's light shine and to let others see God and Christ through you? Okay, Callie. So my challenge for this week is to take all of the sins, all of the things that you, or that the devil's telling you not to let go of, and to, you know, if you fully repent of those if you haven't, and if you have, to, to have peace with that, to take the blessing that Jesus gives you each and every day, and to be renewed, um, and just find joy in your salvation each day of this week. That's a very, very good challenge. I... I I love doing these because it's always something that I can use and I hope our listeners find these useful, but it always gives me something to reflect on and a way to try to better myself. So that wraps it up for today. Um, We will have another Empowered Woman lesson from the Bible coming to you next week. So tune in to find out who our next character is that we take an example from. I hope you guys enjoyed today. I know we really enjoyed putting this together, this whole series really, we've really enjoyed. As usual, if you have any questions or comments, positive or negative, feel free to DM me on social media. Um, You can like and follow us on social media. We're trying to be a little more active on there. That's a work in progress. But um, Facebook, we're the Pearls and Proverbs podcast. Instagram, we're at Pearls and Proverbs podcast. You can also follow my podcast personal Instagram for questions. If you have them, I'm just at Callie.Pinkerton. And then if you do listen and you like what you hear, feel free to hop on your listening platform and give us a rating and review. That just makes us more visible to others. So if you enjoy it, um, that would be super, super helpful. But thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye.